Kick off your shoes. Sit back and find that gigantic stack of papers you've been meaning to grade. It's time for the new teacher hotline. Welcome to the New Teacher Hotline, episode seven, lucky number seven. All right. My name is Mike. I'm Glenn. Our mission statement is to make life better for new teachers by giving them sound advice from people who have made so many mistakes that they can prevent it. That's right. We've made all the mistakes. And some of them we've actually learned from. And we're passing the savings directly to you. That's right. So I suppose we should just jump in with both feet. Okay. We've talked about a lot of things recently. We talked about classroom management. We talked Mm -hmm. about rules. We talked about... Administrators, we talked about ringleaders, we mm-hmm. talked about job interviews, parent phone calls. Wow. We've talked about many things. So today we're going to be talking about becoming familiar with your students before you start teaching. Is there a way that you can do that before the school year starts, or is that a fallacy? Well, that's, that's a good question. There's a lot that a, a new teacher can learn before school starts, and several things uh, right off the top. You know, the subject, the grade level, those are the easy ones. But it's probably best to go a little deeper than that and find out if the school or the school system has put these students in some sort of tracking or grouping mechanic. Oh, so you're looking at, am I teaching by grade? Am I teaching by, say, an academic or an honors or remedial class level. I see what you're saying. Or, so you're saying or the they all mixed together. Okay, so you know how your students are grouped, and you know which group has been assigned to you. And maybe the grouping is very random. Are there any students in your class with special educational needs? This usually comes in a packet, but it may require you to go to the administration or to the guidance counselors. For instance, do they need to sit in the front of the class? Are they having trouble with hearing, vision? Do they have to have anything read to them? And you need to know these things ahead of time. The last thing you want is to be surprised the first weekend of school that this particular student didn't do well on a a homework or a test or some assignment because he or she is supposed to be sitting in front of the class and Mm -hmm. you had him in the back of the class. It's a good idea to review the file, to look at each student, and to know as much about him as you can ahead of time. Other simple things would be start looking at your class list to the extent possible Learn their names, even though you don't have a face associated with them, but at least be able to pronounce their name. And if you have trouble, go see somebody that knows them. There's actually, I I forget which book this is from. I'm going to look it up. It was about how to handle teaching, how to survive teaching. It was meant to be sort of practical, but mostly sort of humorous. And one of the things that he recommended was that you learn all the students' names ahead of time and that you look at a yearbook from last year. Mm -hmm. When the students walk in, you should greet them all by name. And that would really put them off their guard. Oh, that would be good. And he said, you know, especially when they're young, kids change a lot from year to year. So he said, focus on the eyes. Focus on the <laughs> eyes. So when you see them come in, if you say, hello, Jeffrey George Rathlenberger, it would be interesting if you could get a yearbook or take a look at what sorts of things your kids are into ahead of time, look at the clubs and see, uh-oh, not yeah. a lot of my kids are in clubs in this school. This class might be a class that's sort of disenfranchised with school. They're not interested in being here. Maybe I need to do something a little different with this kind good. of kid. Very good. Very good. Now, there's a story that I was told. And it was one of these stories that you wonder if it's really true and you doubt if it's really true, but everybody tells it as like a life lesson. Do you know where I'm going with this? Nope. Okay. A new teacher was about to teach a class for the first time, and she wanted to find out who was going to be the best student and who was going to be the worst student and who was going to be possibly the troublemaker and who was going to be the academic superstar. So she went to the kids' 
previous year's teacher and said, which one of these kids should I be worried about? Which are the ones that I should keep on top of? Which are the ones that pose the greatest potential behavioral problems? And put a star by those. At least that's what she thought she said. And then she got back to her classroom and she said, all right, all these kids with the stars are the ones that are going to be the problems. And then she taught the whole year with the notion that those kids were going to be the ones that had the problems. And it turns out that they did very poorly, just like she thought. And it, it kind of made her feel good because she felt as though what should have happened happened. She knew they were going to be bad students. They were bad students. And then here's the O. Henry twist. The teacher had misheard her, and she had marked all the kids that were the best kids in class. Mm -hmm. And because she went in with this bad attitude about those children, they reacted to her in a bad way. Right. And she changed the entire complexity of the class. The mm -hmm. universe folded in on itself. Time stopped. And that school was swallowed into the earth. Mm. The self-fulfilling prophecy. It may not be necessarily a true story, but it does have some merit to it. Oh, yeah. And I think the teacher needs to make those decisions once the school starts. Not ahead right. of time. Okay. Correct. So you are a believer in some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't know. These teaching stories. Well, I can tell you a true story. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a middle school. I like true stories. This is actually a true story. A middle school principal one time who I was working with deliberately moved several students from an average grouping up to the academic or honors level grouping and didn't tell the teacher. In fact, didn't tell the teacher ever. At the end of the year, those children performed at the same level as the honors kids. So that particular teacher taught them as if they were honors level students and they performed at that level and were statistically indistinguishable from the rest of the class. Hmm. True story. That is a true story? That's a true story. All right. So what we're kind of alluding to in this whole discussion is that you want to have as much information as possible. You want to feel prepared, but really there's only so much you can know. There's mm -hmm. only so much that's actually going to be useful and too much information may actually be harmful. So what we're saying is knowing the composition of the class, if we're talking about different academic levels, are they randomly assigned, mm -hmm. is one thing because that's a fact. But how the students will react with you is not something that you can predict. Right. So you shouldn't go looking for trouble ahead of time saying oh, no. who are the troublemakers and no, that sort of thing. No, absolutely not. Because uh, the nice thing about working with students is they grow up and they mature and they mature at different times. So the troublemaker last year may be your best student this year. Situations uh, in the classroom often depend on what's happening in the child's uh, home life or community life or after school, and it's likely to change on a daily basis. So it not only changes over the course of a year, but it could change overnight as well. You've got mail. So let's move on to listener mail. We have a comment here that's been posted on our boards. I'm going to go ahead and read it. If it's a good one. It is a good one. Oh, so yeah. I'm going to read that one. Read, All it, the bad read ones, it a couple times. The bad ones are immediately erased. Yeah. Banned. No, it's not true. <laughs> not true at all. Feel free to speak your mind and give us feedback because otherwise, how will we ever learn? This email comes from Edward. Edward says, I enjoy listening to your podcast and I look forward to hearing more. I must say that you guys make things that are normally serious sound funny and entertaining. Oh, good. That's very positive. Do, Thank you. do you know Thank you, Edward. where Edward is from? What state? Oh, you're asking me something that I printed out. I don't oh. know. I didn't print that part out. <laughs> All right. Never Edward mind. from Parts Unknown. Okay. I've been there. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sure being in those situations isn't funny at all, but at least you have a way of making people listen and laugh at themselves. I think that's a pretty good yeah, description. We, we do a lot of laughing. I know that. We, well, Sometimes it's not funny, but we <laughs> laugh anyway. Right? There's a lot of things we have to take out. Yes, we do. Right. <laughs> Edward's kind of got a sense of what we're trying to do. I mean, yes. these things are all serious, but mm -hmm. if you sit and be serious about them, and you know. That's you do that fun. during the day. Exactly. 
And we record these at night. Do we do? Late at night. (laughs) (laughs) So let's move on to a question. Okay. Our question comes from Heidi. Oh, okay. And Heidi is a new teacher at a mid, let me get my email, at a Midwestern school. And she writes, this is my first year of teaching. I'm very overwhelmed. There's a lot of things that I don't understand. There are so many acronyms that people throw around that I just don't even follow. So in the middle of trying to understand all of this stuff, now I'm being told that I need to coach. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, let me get to the rest. Typical. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Now that I'm a high school teacher asked to coach cheerleading, I have no idea what to do. I used to cheerlead in middle school, but that was my most recent experience. Mm, yeah. Do you guys know anything about cheerleading? <laughs> <laughs> and well, uh, uh, more than I care to say. No, that's not true. I don't know anything about cheerleading. I but don't either. The issue is not specific okay. to cheerleading coaching. Now, this this happens a lot. Sometimes a principal gets in a jam because they've had a late resignation or a club sponsor or a class sponsor or something. All of a sudden, it becomes vacant. What do you do? You got to find somebody to put in and check around your veteran staff, and they're not interested. Then the only other place to get them from would be the new people. So, uh, as a new teacher, as a new teacher candidate. If the principal asks, what is it that you can do to help the school beyond the normal school day, he's really asking, he or she is really asking, what can you coach, what can you sponsor, and when can you start? I didn't understand that. I thought, I'm a new teacher. People should sort of help me out more. I should uh-huh. I should be on the short list of people that shouldn't have to do extra stuff. But what it turns out is that people will repeat the phrase, pay your dues, pay your dues. I did it. You did it. That lady over there did it. We ha- Everyone has to pay your dues. And, of course, that's the absolute wrong way to approach it. Uh, a real coach or a real class sponsor is, is not one who looks at it that way. It, you don't so have it, to hate it. Oh, you shouldn't. <laughs> right. You shouldn't. And it's an opportunity to interact with the students on a different level mm-hmm. in a different venue. Sometimes that coaching or that sponsoring experience makes a teacher a better teacher. So it really shouldn't be considered a bad thing. Now, if Heidi had never been a cheerleader, yes, That adds a new dimension. It does. But she does have at least some knowledge of the sport. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I can can put some of it into perspective because when I was a new teacher, I suddenly was thrust into the coaching arena. And if if you've ever seen me or if you would see me, you would know that I am not an athletic person. I'm not somebody who is going to go out there and, and impress anyone on any sort of athletic field of competition. So I was surprised to find out that I was going to be coaching track. I'd seen a track. I was aware that they had them. I was aware that it was for it running. TV. Yeah. Right? But I had never ever run track and, and it was very it was very intimidating and I was terrified because I found out about two weeks before the season started and now it's sort of all right, you can go ahead and coach and we'll help you get the buses to the track meets and that was That's the extent of their help. That was the extent. <laughs> yeah. I was coaching the girls track and the boys track coach technically I did have more help. I'm exaggerating a little bit because the boys coach had done it for a long time. So mm-hmm. she definitely helped out with all of the arrangements and, mm-hmm. and the trips and that sort of thing. But when it came to the actual activities and things, I could meet with her and we could sort of play off each other and figure out what to do. And I thought it was going to be the worst possible thing. And I ended up really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't really say that I was an expert or that the kids, you know, maybe they would have performed much better if, say, Jesse Owens had been coaching or something like that. But I feel like I really learned a lot in the experience. And there were some days that I really loved coaching more than I loved teaching. Right. And it changed day to day. Yes. Some days teaching yes. was better and coaching was just mm-hmm. terrible. And other days it was completely the opposite. But one of the things that it really did um, for me is it helped me keep 
good perspective on teaching. Yes, it does. It, your teaching doesn't good have to point. eat up all night. It doesn't good have point. to go from three o'clock to midnight and you're worried about your lesson plans and everything has to be a game and everything has to be exciting and fun. And I'm going to throw my life's blood into every lesson. Sometimes you just need to keep things compartmentalized and mm-hmm. coaching did that for me because I knew I had less time during the day. So I had to become better at managing my time. That's right. There's a long way to go for that. I hope you, there's some useful information in that diatribe. Yeah, that I, I think so. Okay. Uh, I, w- I also had a similar experience, except um, when I was a first-year teacher, I was asked to coach baseball. But I had the advantage in that I'd played baseball every day of my life for oh. a long time. So What position? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I, I was a pretty good pitcher. Really? And when I wasn't pitching, I was in the outfield. Okay. My real position, the one I liked the best, uh-huh. was shortstop. Oh. But anyway. That's neither here nor there, but you know, I like saying that kind of stuff. Hey, why not? Yeah, why not? But I had the advantage in that I had played the game a lot. I knew what I was doing, or at least I thought I did. And like you, I learned more about myself, which made me a better teacher. I was able to interact with the students on a different level, which uh, taught me insights about the nature of the student and therefore helped me as a teacher as well. And the same thing for, for you, Heidi. Look at this again. You know, it's the O words, the opportunity to make something good. These cheerleaders are going to look to you for a number of things, one of which would be leadership and guidance. And you you have a little bit of experience, but you, you're not overwhelmed in that area. So tell them what you know. <laughs> the difference between a classroom and an after-school activity is that to some degree, the kids have chosen to be there. Exactly. So when you're there with a group of cheerleaders, this is not, oh, I've got to pass this state-mandated cheerleading exam. Maybe there's other reasons. Maybe their parents are making them or who knows. But Well, mostly they want to be there and they're happy to be there. And the best thing that a coach and a sponsor can do is keep the happiness level up there. Before the season starts, learn as much as you can about it. If you're, if you haven't participated, then get a book, watch the CD, watch it on TV, talk with the person who's gone before you, find out where the league rules are, anything else you need to know, and start on day one. Have something for them to do. It's important, I think, to, to begin quickly. Now, if you have the advantage of already having the squad cut and ready to go, then be ready to go. Mm-hmm. If you have to interview or try out or whatever, to develop the team, then the, be careful because that's when it can get ugly quickly. You, know, you have to pick the cheerleaders, find out what they've done in the past, mm-hmm. and did it go well? What are the expectations of those who are trying out? In other words, do they expect to come out one time and then you pick them all and then that's it? Or is this a multi-day tryout? Are they expected to do different maneuvers, cheers? Who was on the squad last year and should we retain them? So there's a number of questions to look at ahead of time. Do your homework, and generally the, the previous sponsor or one of the administrators will honestly tell you, hey, it worked well, just do it this way. Or it went well, but, you know, maybe you should, you know, add two more people. Or or we only have uniforms for six, so don't pick seven. Um, let me break in for just a second. Okay. And let me try to expand it out to, let's say, different age groups. All right. Let's say we've got an elementary school teacher who's coming in, what sorts of clubs and activities would an elementary school teacher be expected to participate in? Well, it it varies by school, but Mm -hmm. certainly there are academic clubs in virtually every school, and they tend to be after-school events, sometimes evening events, like the math club, the science club, and, you know, those types of things. Scouting is also generally big in elementaries, and sometimes they have their own group that forms out of an elementary class. Likewise, there are athletic, believe it or not, in elementary, where um, a particular 
sponsor or coach might have the after-school soccer clinic mm-hmm. or whatever sport is in season. So there are a number of things that an elementary teacher can do, and the one that's probably the most overlooked is usually the one that receives probably the most attention right. are those philanthropic ones that you do as elementary. Taking the pets down to the senior citizen center for the day, the after-school horticulture club that is planting things around the building or recycling newspaper, you know, the environmental club. So there are a lot of things that an elementary level teacher can do, not only good for the student, good for the teacher, good for the school, and receives a lot of community support. I'm trying to remember all the different clubs and sponsorships that I did when I taught seven years in high school. I don't think I can remember them all, but let's see. Well, let's just rattle them off, a random style. Okay. My my favorite was I started a bowling league. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I started up um, an academic quiz team where we had little buzzers, and we tried to get on one of the local high school game shows. I mean, I never quite made it, made it to that point, but we sure <laughs> had fun buzzing and answering questions and mm-hmm. staying after school. Well, um, I coached baseball. Coached baseball. I did track, and then for a short amount of time, I did soccer which I knew even less about. Ooh, yeah. I did track. Your turn. Um, let's see. Class sponsorship. I'm sure we've both sponsored classes. For example, when high school, it involves homecoming and that sort of thing and prom and setting those things up. Right. No, I did not do a class sponsor. No? Nope. Well, I was luckily, I was teamed up with someone for that one. Yep. And it was um, a very capable woman who knew much more about what sorts of things you should do to decorate prom than I mm-hmm. ever would. I would think balloons, the streamers, but that's more you know, four-year-old birthday party decorating. Well, the bottom line for Heidi is, I, I know it might seem like an imposition and it might seem like it's been thrust on you and the reality is maybe it was if you're looking at it that way i would i would ask you to reconsider your position this really is an opportunity to affect the lives of a lot of young people they're looking for you to be their leader now there's nothing wrong with getting help and if there's another person on the faculty if there's another person in the community likely there is another parent who would be willing to come in and help out well bring them on set the rules the rules are you're the leader you are the one responsible and what you say goes. Work collegially and collaboratively with them. Find out what their strengths are and, and let them, uh, you know, take over some of the responsibilities. Decide what it is you want the season to look like. What's the goal? Are you going to try to win the championship? Are you there to have a good time? Are you there just to give everybody an opportunity to participate? Or is this one where only the good participate and you don't get to actually go out on the floor until you've worked your way into the starting lineup? Have all these things worked out ahead of time. Make sure they're consistent with the philosophy of the school, especially the administration, and past performance. And then go out and make it fun for you and for them. Yeah, I think there's some really good advice in there about knowing the culture of whatever sport mm-hmm. it is. Every sport has a different culture. Absolutely. And like you said, if everybody's supposed to play and you don't play everyone, or you play everyone and your team, which was the state champion last year, has a losing season, that could mean a whole lot. Absolutely. If they're looking at a scholarship and you don't produce a winning team, you might not be the sponsor next year. It does feel like an imposition, but it really doesn't have to be a bad thing Mm -hmm. as long as you're prepared for it. So since I've run out of things to say, it must be time to stop. Send us your emails. We want to know, are there topics that you want us to hit on? And we've got a pile of emails in front of us here that Mike is very dutifully working through. Send us what you want to know. We'll try to get it on the air. And if we do get it on the air, Mike will send you what? I will send you my happy thoughts. 
Oh, very good. And, and, some, may, and maybe even a return email. And some good advice, too, right? Hopefully, yeah. That's what we're here for, after all. <laughs> so we have a lot of information here that we want to we get to you, but we need to know what your needs are. What's your priority? And, hey, we're in the midst of trying to come up with some live shows. If you're interested, if your school, if your school district would like to host an episode of the New Teacher Hotline, taking questions from the audience, doing a, a live-to-tape episode of the new church yeah, new teacher it would be one of the future podcasts yeah if you would like to do a, a faculty in service if you would like to do if you've i know that there's a lot of school districts so when they have new teachers they have a course that they're required to mm-hmm. attend every week or every two weeks and they get together and they talk about things we could come in and sit down on that answer some questions record it live get your names out on the air you know maybe get you found that that hollywood contract that you've been looking that's for. right well we're looking for I think I'm past that one, though. I think. Anyway, we better close this one. My name is Mike. I'm Glenn. See you in the faculty lounge. Do you have a question that you would like us to answer on a future podcast? Our experts are standing by. Email us today at newteacherhotline at gmail.com. The New Teacher Hotline is presented every two weeks by the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence. Look us up online at www.abcte.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence. In fact, ABCTE makes no claim that downloading this podcast will even be worth your time. But, you know, we, we hope it is. Our theme song is courtesy of Van Davis at www.abcte.org. Van Davis.com. Thanks for listening.